Welcome to the Friends Like Films podcast. I'm Britt. And I'm Greg. And this is the podcast for you to hang out with us for a bit while we discuss a movie one or both of us loves. And I'm so excited for this episode. It's all happening. Yeah, I didn't realize you loved this movie this much. I knew you liked it, but I didn't realize it was like uh, such a classic for you. Oh my god. Yeah, I think I said it the last episode. This, we're, we're talking about Almost Famous, by the way, this episode. Um this was the movie for a long time. If people ever ask, ask me what my favorite movie was, this was my answer. I don't know if it was ever my favorite movie, but there was a time where it was like among my favorites. I feel like if you watch this at like an impressionable, like an impressionable age, like when you're a teenager, you're like, yeah, you can't help but be like, ah, like wanderlust for a life that you could never possibly have had. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, <laughs> when we talk about Almost Famous later in the episode. Yeah. But we got some news today. We had Oscar nominations announced. Yeah. And I wasn't, I don't think there was any real shockers. Um, It was much the same as the Golden Globes. So, you know, I I don't really have any huge commentary on the nominees. Yeah, I, a delightful surprise for me was seeing Minari get nominated. Um, It didn't get too much love or enough love to me at the Globes. So that was great. Um, Seeing Sound of Metal get more recognition for Best Picture nomination as well as Riz Ahmed for Actor. Very happy about that. Yeah, I did think that uh, Delroy Lindo from The The Five Bloods on Netflix, he was really, really good and he kind of got snubbed a little bit, I think. I think he deserved the nomination. Yeah, you're not alone. Um, I read that on Twitter. I haven't seen The Five Bloods. It did not get a Best Picture nom, um, but I still plan to watch it regardless because I've heard great things. Yeah, I still have a lot of movies on my Oscar list to watch. Um, like, I, it's hard for me. It, that's why Maybe that's why it's hard for me to have any commentary on the nominees because there's so many of them that I'm just like, I can't say whether or not they. I think they deserve it. So That's fair. Yeah. Well, I have to work my way through. I've been saying this for the last like four episodes, but I got to start working on my Oscar list. <laughs> it's okay. You have time. I got to do my homework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to watch uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which has been on my HBO Max homepage every time I log in. And I'm like, yeah. yes, I tonight I'm going to watch this. And- that is one that I did finally watch. And it was amazing. It was really, really good. And it's a story that like, I forget what recently triggered uh, like triggered me to like start reading a lot about fred hampton um mm-hmm. because he, he's like a civil rights leader that for a long time didn't really get talked about because it, it was such a basically a tragedy he got you know spoiler alert it's history but like yeah he gets killed mm-hmm. and uh he gets betrayed and it's a pretty amazing story i don't really want to go into it too much because you should see it it's amazing I definitely will see it. Uh, not surprised we didn't learn about Fred Hampton in school. No, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, so that's my one of two Best Picture uh, nominations I still need to watch. The other being The Father with Anthony Hopkins yeah. and Olivia Coleman. Uh, I love them both. I will figure out how I'm going to watch it. I don't even know if it's released yet to rent or anything. Um, no, I don't think it is. But I'll figure um, something out. Yeah, we'll have to wink, wink, find it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Stephen Yen getting nominated for his role in Minari. So excited about that. He's the first Asian American um, to get nominated for Best Actor. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, took us a while. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember it must have been Best Supporting, but I'm pretty sure Ken Watanabe got nominated for The Last Samurai. Mm, maybe that was supporting it was probably supporting tom cruise was the only star even though it was like basically that movie now is being remembered as like a whitewashing yeah even though like honestly a lot of people i haven't seen it yeah i don't want to get too much into the last samurai but a lot of people that are like say that it's whitewashing don't really they either haven't seen the movie or they don't really get what it's about because tom cruise is not the last samurai ken watanabe is the last samurai tom cruise is just there right right 
a lot of people are like, oh, Tom Cruise can't be the last samurai. I'm like, well, he wasn't. Well, because so. he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, you are correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we got um, a couple other historical nominations this year um, for director. We have two women nominated. Hello. Yeah. Um, Chloe Zhou for Nomadland and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. So, ladies coming through. Yeah. About time. About time. Um, so that's the, our... The real, the real tragedy, I think, is that not... Because it was only a matter of time once women started directing more movies. It was only a matter of time before some of them started getting nominated. It's, right. Like, the fact that they make good movies is, is the least surprising... Women, women make good movies is, like, the least surprising thing ever. Mm-hmm. But women just weren't able to direct big movies for so long. Yep. So, so that's that's the tragedy. That is the tragedy. Um you haven't seen no you have seen Nomadland? I haven't. No. It's okay. one of the many that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> okay. But um so we'll have more conversations um like we said before, we are going to do an Oscars episode um leading up to the Oscars and maybe yeah. yes. Yeah, well, our plan right now is it's going to be like a pre, pre, it's going to be like a two-parter combined into one, right? We'll do like a pre-discussion and then a post-discussion kind of in the same episode. We're working it out. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, we're working out the kinks, but that's coming. Greg has like eight hours of films to watch, so maybe more. (laughs) I'll take care of it in one weekend, probably right before we record. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. Um, so stay tuned for more Oscars conversations. Um, we had the ending of WandaVision happen. Yeah, which was amazing. I mean, yeah, it was uh, a great climax, like a lot of action. It really like it's I, it's kind of it all comes back to the comment I made in the last episode is that it really felt like seamlessly part of the Marvel Universe. Like it didn't have to be a movie. The fact that it was a TV show didn't matter. The production, the production value was right there yep it was emotional i i wasn't expecting wandavision to be so emotional for me and um the relationship between vision and scarlet witch like after you know the mcu movies wrapped up with endgame i could kind of care less about vision and scarlet witch's relationship and this completely changed my mind yeah it seems like um there was there was a lot of there's just a lot of stuff between them happening kind of off scene mm-hmm. or off stage during the movies you know where you only got like brief glimpses into them like kind of it started in uh civil war i believe when uh, she's supposed to stay locked down yes. and like vision is kind of like her guard yes and so they were obviously spending a lot of time together yeah he's doing who knows what He's making her breakfast. I mean, the man's made of vibranium. I think we know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I've loved, loved all the vision memes. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, there's, people there's... are thirsting for vision, which <laughs> Paul Bettany deserves all the thirst. Been a huge Paul Bettany fan ever since. Uh, um, what's it? Oh, what's the movie with Heath Ledger? Um, um, and. A Night's Tale? Yeah, A Night's Tale. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. A Night's Tale was one of my favorite movies back in the day. Uh, I love that movie. And Paul Benny rocks in that movie. He does rock in that movie. And a young King Robert rocks in that movie. Oh, my God. That's right. Yeah. And Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball. Still haven't seen Dodgeball. What? Yeah, we've been over Uh, this. I know, but still. (laughs) (laughs) I know. That that episode was recorded in November, and yes, I still have not seen Dodgeball. Yeah, you've gone this long, I guess. Just stick with it. Yeah, maybe. Dodgeball doesn't deserve you. It'll be my thing. My little little quirk. (laughs) Or I should say, you don't deserve Dodgeball, Britt. Okay, wow. That's (laughs) rude. (laughs) Um, But yeah, WandaVision, great. I felt a little blue ball teased with the whole uh evan peters cast as her brother i was thinking we were gonna get yeah. some, some classic misdirect yeah i was think i was hoping we would get some some x-men maybe we see the mansion or something when she was like i i don't understand my powers yet but i will i was like girl just the mansion is right over the border if you're in yeah. new jersey right now just hop right over charles yeah. will help you figure out your powers get you hooked up but uh, no. We'll see. We'll see how they introduce the X Men 
they're gonna have to come up with something. It can't just be like, oh, and the school. It can't just be that the school is there. Like, hop over to the school. You know, I know, <laughs> I know that. I know that's like a meme. You weren't, you weren't serious, but like, I know. because that, like, if if there was just the X Men school, like the Xavier Institute, just chilling there, then where were they? Yeah, where were they during all this crap? Of course. Like Avengers headquarters was also in upstate New York. Like, where were you when Thanos was attacking? <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. But where were they when Apocalypse was attacking them? Where were they? Probably seeing a better movie. That movie was garbage. <laughs> I, you hated it so much. It I didn't hate it that so, much. It was so bad to me. There was some cool Magneto stuff in it. You're a big Fastbender girl. I know. I, I mean, I appreciate that. And I appreciated Scarlet Witch's big reveal. Her her look was very reminiscent of Magneto's. and Yeah, they. I think they nailed it. She was, it was like kind of a, a cool update to her. Mm-hmm. to her comic books costume which was like actually closer to the halloween costume she wore a few yes. episodes before so her, her comic book costumes female superheroes and comic book costumes really didn't get uh the design that they needed no. <laughs> yeah Agreed. but now it seems like the movies they're trying to do it right <laughs> yeah thank god thank god so we say bye to wandavision and we say hello to falcon and winter soldier this week yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm well. I'm more excited for Loki than than Falcon and Winter Soldier, but this one's going to be good too. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Bucky. I love uh, Sam. I love both those characters. So yeah, it's going to be different um, from Wandavision for sure in terms of tone and and um, I feel like action too. Like right off the bat, I feel like Episode One of Falcon and Winter Soldier is just going to be like action packed compared to Wandavision, which was more of a slow build. I felt like, but uh yeah because wandavision had like that you know the first couple episodes we just didn't even know what was happening like there was no it was like trying to figure out is this real is this an illusion like who's doing it um yeah this one's gonna be a little more straightforward probably yeah yeah like you i love i love sam i love bucky uh my halloween costume this past year was the winter soldier um so big fan can't wait yeah We'll see how it goes. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> sure, it'll be good. And you watched the new Disney movie recently. Yeah, Raya and the Last Dragon. I can't can't seem to make any progress on my Oscars list, but I will always watch a new but Disney that movie. New like, Disney movie. The though. day it comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I was saying, I know you really liked Soul, um, and I think it was better than that. But I also didn't love Soul as much as you did. I didn't. I didn't dislike Soul. But I, I just didn't think it was like an instant Disney classic. This one, I think, is. So this it, this is Disney and not Pixar, right? Right. Okay. Um, I just thought, yeah, I thought it was great. It was like a great story, very entertaining. Got a little misty at the end. Oh, that's good. We yeah. love that. We yeah, love yeah. a good Disney teary-eyed movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, did you watch it with uh, your parents or anybody else or just... No, just by myself. <laughs> Misty-eyed Greg. Yeah. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'll watch it soon, and we can we'll chat about it. Did you yeah. get Did you get teary-eyed for Soul? Did that hit no, you? Not what really. the hell, man? Really? No, I think Soul was like, "This is too real." <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, I got that. All right, should we get into Almost Famous? Yeah, I suppose that's why the people are here. That's why the people are here. And to fact check the shit out of us, too. Yeah, which I don't think we had any real big ones for Harry Potter 2, did we? No. I think we aced Harry Potter 2. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see what happens this episode. Um, In case people don't know, me and Greg have full-time jobs. This is our little, like, uh, creative side project. I wouldn't even call it a side hustle. Um. So a lot of these episodes were just like off the dome. We take some notes, but a lot of it is just us riffing. Yeah. So appreciate everybody keeping us honest and fact checking yeah, us are, when needed. We are bound to continue screwing up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not really too stressed about it. <laughs> no, me either. No stress. Yeah. So. Once um, we have millions of followers, we can worry about that. Yeah. Because that'll happen one day. I mean, I fully expect to be working on this full time. By 2022. By, by 20, yeah. Maybe like next month. We're really going to blow wow. up. 
Yeah, our Oscars episode is going to be revolutionary. Blow people's <laughs> minds. Yeah. All yeah, right. We need to start some promotion, though, probably. <laughs> we'll make t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Direct <laughs> mailings. Get ready. All right. Almost Famous. I'm so excited. This movie was released in September of 2000. So I was and you were 11 years old. I no, Fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. We're just starting sixth grade. Right. So a little little baby Greg and Britt. I rented this movie from Blockbuster. I have the memory of an elephant. Um, and I watched it just with my mom. So I probably watched this when I was 12, I would say. I don't remember the first time I saw it. Sometime in my teen years. I don't remember exactly when. I don't. I definitely didn't see it in theaters. I don't. I don't know. I don't know when. Yeah. So this movie, we were talking about this earlier in the episode. Um, I watched it at an impressionable young age, and this is the Friends Like Films podcast. And I do love movies, but I think I would say that before movies, my first love was music. Um, in high school, and I credit this movie to be a big part of this, I wanted to be a journalist, and specifically a music journalist, and I did my journalism class in high school. I entered college with my intention of being a journalism major, and that's how I started, until I realized that, like, man, I took out a lot of loans to go to college, and I need to make money, like, soon, so I kind of want to transfer it to a major where I could make money, which sounds like such a sellout thing and, like, hard truth, but... Yeah. Capitalism, baby. Capitalism, baby. Uh, <laughs> I had to grow up fast, so <laughs> I didn't have parents to bankroll my groovy lifestyle while I, you know, followed, no. followed my dreams, so um happy where I landed, but... I credit Almost Famous for being a reason why I wanted to be a music journalist. So movie came out in 2000, directed by Cameron Crowe. Before Almost Famous, Cameron Crowe did Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, singles, classic. Classic. Um, Say Anything, another classic. Yep. And uh, Jerry Maguire. Classic. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, the man big, makes classics. The man makes classics. And he had this story from, and I guess the casual fan of Almost Famous might not know this, but the main character in the story of Almost Famous is really based on Cameron Crowe's life as a teenager. So, yeah, when, Loosely based, but yeah. But well, yeah, I guess we'll say loosely, but a lot of things directly taken. Yeah, the stories are all inspired by things that he really did. When he yeah. was a teenager, he started submitting writings to Rolling Stone and uh, and various uh, you know music rock and roll magazines, and uh, yeah, ended up on tour with Almond Brothers. the Almond Brothers. Yeah, for like three weeks. Yes, pretty interesting story. I would I would lo- I would like to see. I, I wonder if so, he probably wrote a book or something about like what really happened, not the, not the movie version. I'd yeah. love to read some more about what the real stories were. Yeah. For sure. I don't know if he's done that. If he hasn't, I would love him to, for him to do that. I know that the real Penny Lane does like tours and like talks about what her life was like in the 70s. I read the book I'm with the band, which is about Pamela DeBars. And she was um, another woman like the real Penny Lane. Um, so her book I'm with the band is pretty good. It's about her time as, you know, a quote unquote groupie following those bands around um and all her stories but um so yeah cameron crow was writing for rolling stone as a 16 year old um the youngest contributor for rolling stone magazine um still till this day which isn't surprising and this movie came out in 2000 like i said and the cast is i mean you have some big names in it and you also have some people that were smaller roles back in the 2000s that kind of yeah, there's like a lot of names, a lot of people that I recognize throughout the movie. And even in like that pre-credit role when he's like writing all the names in the notebook, mm-hmm. I was like as there was as they were going through, I was like, wow, I did not remember that all these people were in this movie. Yeah. Um, you have Patrick Fugit that plays William Miller, our main protagonist. You have Billy Crudup as Russell Hammond, who just I can't picture anybody else playing this role. So it's funny to hear that Brad Pitt was originally cast to play that role. Yeah, they probably just wanted like a good looking guy. 
Yeah, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess a couple weeks into filming, uh, Brad Pitt and Cameron Crowe mutually decided it wasn't a good fit. So then Billy came through. You have Frances McDormand playing uh, William's mom. Yeah, I think I think the probably the best performance in the movie, if you ask me. Yeah, um, yeah, I I love Kate Hudson in this film. Um, oh yeah, she was great as well. But yeah. I, I I don't know. I just thought Francis Francis McDormand played Nailed like the it. overbearing mom like perfectly. Agreed. I just said Kate Hudson as Penny Lane, um, Zoe Deschanel her second acting credit as William's sister. Um, what was her first one? I'm gonna guess the new guy. No, that was after. Ah. Yeah, it was a film I hadn't seen. I'm gonna do some. The new guy must have been right after, like 2000, 2001. Yeah, looking up her her filmography right now. She was in Mumford. Never heard of it. Neither. And the new guy came out two years after this. Ah. All right. Um, Anna Paquin plays one of the Band-Aids. Um, the wonderful, late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman as Lester Bangs. Yeah. I think that's one of the best performances in this movie. I agree, but he just didn't. It wasn't like a huge role. So. No. Um, but yeah, very well done. I mean, everything everything he does is a great. I mean, every role, mm-hmm. any movie he's in, you can just tell that he's like. I mean, I, he's one of those guys that like I feel like he feel like he's always himself a little bit, but he makes himself fit the role so well. I mean, yeah. except when he played like didn't he play like Truman Capote? That was like he totally did. out there. Yeah. yeah, that was not anywhere near himself, but yeah. But I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. kind of like a I don't know. He's got that per, like a uh, very strong personality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. We have Jay Baruchel, which he's so yeah. he's a baby in this movie, and he plays like this huge um, Led Zeppelin fan named Vic. Yeah, they're here, they're here. Yeah, <laughs> Robert <laughs> Plant, Jimmy Page, they're here. Yeah, um, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, the uh, the manager or the new manager that comes in to grab them, and just bad acting skills on display very early. Yep, um, he like he had just gone on SNL at that point, or maybe like. Pretty fresh on SNL. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It, it's his first uh, film credit. Um, Rain Wilson. Yeah. Dwight from The Office. A uh, very small role as one of the Rolling Stones um, employees. Mitch Hedberg makes an appearance as the Eagles road manager. Yeah. Like very. I don't even know if he has a line. He's like in he that, he's in that poker game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Firuza Balk was one of the other band aids. Uh, Sapphire, she's what she. I mainly, I like any any guy my age probably knows her from Waterboy. I was and, just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and she was in some other stuff too, but she's like a real like '90s hottie. Yeah, and like, and then like kind of disappeared. Yeah, I mean, when I see her, I I think of Waterboy, but um, she's American History X. She's also the craft. Yeah, the craft. I think she played a vampire in something too. Unless maybe that was the craft and I'm just confusing it. Yeah, that sounds right though that she probably played a vampire in something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um this this film, um, William Miller really just gets swept up traveling with this fictional band, Stillwater, which I think is the best fictional band in anything I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. I have to think about that a little bit. I don't know. Fictional bands. There's also the, uh, have you ever seen That Thing You Do? Yes. Yeah. The Own Eaters. Oh, <laughs> They're yeah. a great fictional band. <laughs> no, they are. You're right. Yeah. I forgot about that. I, I, I like Stillwater more, but yeah, they're great too. Yeah. Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> okay. You know, like all the details of this movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I should watch it again. It's been a while. I loved the like the title single when yeah, I was that, a kid. That thing you do. That thing you do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Tom Cruise's first directing credit. Pretty sure. Tom Cruise? Oh, not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You almost blew my mind there. No, Tom <laughs> Hanks. Tom yeah. Hanks like yeah, 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 yeah. That was his that was his project. Yep, yep. Great movie. <laughs> 
Um, but this this film made me almost famous. Made me miss live music and concerts so much. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, hopefully soon. I don't. I, I I thought for like there was a minute there where I thought maybe we'd get something this summer, but I think the summer might be too soon. Might be fall. Yeah. I have Harry- maybe some smaller like smaller acts like big acts are not going to come out to do like a half attendance show Even like if- for instance for for all the listeners out there i'm a big fish fan and uh they're not going to come i don't think they're going to play to half crowds they're they're not they're going to wait until they can have a full crowd even if, even if it's outdoor do outdoor shows still need to be limited capacity yeah, you've seen how people pack in at those show, at those shows. Like anywhere where there's a lawn or GA access, like it's it's like a big mass of people. So Colin, um, my husband, has a theory that it could like first their first show back might be Dick's Labor Day weekend. Yeah, Dick's Sporting Goods Arena. For anybody that doesn't know, in Denver. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I would love that. I've never been. It's like this legendary weekend that they play every every well supposed to play every year. Um, they always do Labor Day in Colorado. I've never been. I would love to do it this year. That would be an amazing first, like you know, concert back. We we said if they do it, we're gonna try our hardest to get tickets. Yeah, I would love that. So we'll see. But, um, They're going to be expensive as fuck. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we got to set a price limit here, okay? We're not made of yeah. money, but yeah. I'm ready to burn the life savings. Screw it. Fuck it. <laughs> we deserve it. I need some human human contact. Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> um, but like I was saying, seeing um, he goes to see Black Sabbath, I think is the show he meets Stillwater at. and. Just seeing, um, and Fish is really one of the only shows that I've been to where this is still the case, where you really do feel that sense of community before going into the show. And just seeing him, like, in the lot and, like, everybody just, like, out, like, kind yeah. of pre-gaming before the show. And it's... When, when my, she yells, when the mom yells, don't do drugs. Don't uh, do... And everybody's like, don't do drugs. And, like, just <laughs> making yeah. fun of him. Yeah. I was like, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he gets swept up in this, um, life of rock and roll. What's going on the road with Stillwater. He meets, uh, Miss Penny Lane, who is the leader of the Band-Aids. Um, they're not groupies. They are. Yeah, they're very particular about not being called groupies. Yes. They are inspirations and fans for the artists. Um, yeah, that that was one thing as I was rewatching the movie that I was like, come on, like this is a little much when they're like, we are the inspiration. And then same thing with uh with um Jason Lee's character, Jeff, when he's like when he's doing that whole thing like music, rock and roll will save the world and like the and it, and the chicks are really great. And like, well, I'm like you're just being like a stereotypical rock and roll asshole like <laughs> I mean, it, it worked. It worked in the context of the story, but like, I just felt like it was a little bit cheesy. I think that's his. I think that's supposed to be his character, though. No, I yeah, I agree. Oh, okay. I just thought I thought like the writing was cheesy a little bit. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I love <laughs> love the speech where he's no, it no, actually, it's not him. It's um Russell, or is it, or is it him? Where he's like. I see the one guy in the room that's not getting off, and yeah. I and I make him get off. That's when uh, when the t shirts come in, maybe, and like everyone's grayed out except Russell. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, your, your uh, he was like, are- I was supposed to be the front man. Yeah, and he's like, your looks are becoming a problem. <laughs> and Russell's like, what? Yeah. Um, I think Kate Hudson. I and I can't think of that many performances just off the top of my head right now that I've seen Kate Hudson do uh, b- besides how to lose a guy in 10 days. I don't know that why that's the other one I think of right now at that time you mean, or ever, ever. Um, she's, she's in, in some stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's in things. Yeah. I mean, uh, I honestly, you're right. I always think about this movie when I think about Kate Hudson. Um, and I, I'm sorry to any Kate Hudson fans listening. I'm not knocking her. I'm just, I can't think of many right now, but, her as Penny Lane in this movie is she she was perfect. Um the scenes where she 
is where she finds out that um, Russell sold her to Humble Pie for like a case of beer. Um, mm-hmm. And that scene where she's just kind of and she's realizing, like pretending to not be upset about it. Yeah. But she, yeah. She is. Um, there's some a few beautiful moments with her in this film mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. Um, the soundtrack for this movie is. Yeah, it's just like all-star hit after all-star hit. Amazing. Um, obviously, Cameron Crowe met Led Zeppelin when he was writing for Rolling Stone. So he used he got permission to use their song Cashmere and Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And he screened Almost Famous for Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. And they gave him permission to use four of their songs for this movie. Yeah. Which is incredible. Um, they did not get permission to use Stairway to Heaven. But I understand that Stairway to Heaven. It's number one, got to be a special song for them, and number two is like so. It's almost cliche and stereotypical to you. Like so, I get it. They just want it to, to fade away if it can, not fade away because it'll always be a classic. But like, you know, it's like it's Stairway Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Stairway Man. Yeah. But um, when people think of this movie and the music, and naturally people think of the tiny dancer scene on the bus. Right. When they're all pissed at each other. But then tiny dancer comes on and they all start slowly singing along together. Power of music. The power of music, man. Uh, (laughs) Russell (laughs) just left that local house party where he took acid. Yeah. Um, I love when the, when the manager is trying to convince him and he's like, he's like, all right, so we'll go finish the tour and then you'll, we'll come back here and you'll live here. Like, no worries. (laughs) Like, all right, okay, fine. I'll go. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> which uh that scene by the way of him on the roof at that party um where he gets on the roof and he screams i'm a golden god is apparently based on something that happened with Dwayne allman in real life yeah he like jumped out of a hotel room window or something or like uh, off the top of a something yeah something like that yeah um so everybody thinks of the tiny dancer scene and i I always think of um, America by Simon and Garfunkel. Mm-hmm. That's the song Zoe. Um, she plays it for, for the family, like to convince yeah. them that, that Simon and Garfunkel is a good thing. Good thing. And it explains why she's running away to be a stewardess. Mm-hmm. Just listen to this song, Mom, you'll understand. Um, as well as Tangerine by Led Zeppelin, which closes the movie. Um, do you have songs like that where... It's it's not necessarily songs that were written for the film because obviously you're gonna hear my heart will go on you're gonna think of Titanic, but like songs that were placed in the movie or in the soundtrack and whenever you hear it you think of that movie. Um, not off the top of my head. There's definitely there's got to be examples, but um, I think they really did a lot of good stuff. I hate to always be the Marvel guy, but um, in Iron Man, they always used ACDC like for all the great Iron Man moments. And uh, and then in Thor, in the later Thor movies, they brought in some Led Zeppelin, which was like really appropriate for Thor in uh, Ragnarok when they play uh, Immigrant Song. When Thank he, you. He, yeah, he gets yes. his powers back and he gets the, the thunder and lightning. And uh, yeah, really, really oh, great. Awesome. That's a good point. Whenever I hear Immigrant Song now, I think of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. also though immigrant song i'm gonna sound like an idiot here but i also think of the scene in i think it's shrek 2 <laughs> when uh when uh it's um snow white i think is like walks up she's like there all the princesses are storming the castle and snow white has all the animals she's like controlling them with her singing and then she switches into immigrant song and all the animals turn evil and like like she like sticks them on people <laughs> does she really yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like singing I and like, ha, 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 ha. and then she goes, then she switches into the. Ah, oh my god, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're right. I, and I always think of that scene too. Oh, that's amazing! I forgot all about that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, that song is so powerful and can you be used for so many situations. Immigrant song. <laughs> I wrote a blog post um, years ago in one of my many defunct blogs that I've had over the years about songs um that make me think of particular movies and almost famous being one but um also anything by the shins makes me think of garden state Mm. as well as the only living boy in new york by simon and garfunkel also makes me think of garden state as well um 
Yeah, I mean, I like I can't. The only the only ones I ever think of are dumb comedies. Like, like, um, no, I, I, you're right. Yeah, I know it's okay, but I'm just trying. I wish I could come up with like a more profound one, you know. Um, but like American Woman, I always think of Austin Powers too with Heather Graham. Yep. Um, who's super hot in that movie? Very hot in that movie. I mean, he pretty much knocked it out of the park in all three: Elizabeth Hurley, then Heather Graham, then Beyonce. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to see how William Miller realizes what it is to be a part of that rock and roll lifestyle as a really sheltered kid. Um, he starts to become friends with the with the rock stars, which Lester Bangs, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, tells him like not to do. It's like one of the right. things. I, yeah, and there's, like, a ton of scenes in the beginning of him. Like, things are happening, and he's just, like, flying on the wall, and you, like, see him in the background just, like, like wide-eyed, like, just, like, taking it all in. Like, can't even believe what he's seeing. Yeah. Um, just, like, the way they party and the way they live, and he's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. I don't know what to do with myself, but I like this. Yeah. Um, he falls in love with Penny Lane and is dealing – well, fall he does. He yeah, says he, he yeah, loves yeah. Penny Lane. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, dealing with like his feelings for her, but also his like friendship and and responsibility to writing an article about Stillwater and Russell and seeing wants to be friends with Russell, but sees the way he treats Penny Lane. And um, it's all very complicated. He just catches all sorts of feelings left and right. He does. He loves the band. He loves Penny Lane. He loves he loves being a journalist. He loves the music. Mm-hmm. She's just a lover. Just a lover, <laughs> and he gets he gets a little lost. In oh it yeah, all. yeah. It's like sensory overload too. He went from being the absolute like sheltered kid, mm-hmm. and like didn't fit in with anybody at home. He was two grades accelerated, and then he gets gets like into the deep end with this band. I mean, he shows up at a no like just to as a no name kid to interview Black Sabbath, and just gets like roped up with Stillwater. Mm-hmm. The Lester things thing about not making friends with rock stars i actually did for my public speaking class in college you had to you had to bring in a monologue and you had to do it um and mine was the can't be friends with rock stars monologue from almost famous i never had to do any public speaking like in school the most public speaking i ever did was at your wedding (laughs) and you did an amazing job yeah yeah i'm doing all right you did. I, I, you got <laughs> I mean, tons of. Podcasts. I pulled it off. You I pulled it off. You guys got married, so. <laughs> so that was really the, the whole yeah, point. It of was it. a successful wedding in that two people who weren't married ended up married. You know, you did a good job. You got so many compliments. <laughs> I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did a good job. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, great quotes from this movie. Um, I, I took some notes down. The I still sometimes. Do the this is a house of lies quote um, that Zoe screams at her her mom. Um, obviously, it's all happening. There's a famous quote from this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the fucking buzz. Is another <laughs> great quote. Um, I didn't invent the rainy day. I just own the best umbrella. Jimmy Fallon's line. Um, Tell her you're a slave to the groove and you can't help it. Just so many. Yeah, there's a lot of good quotes. Um, there's just like a lot of really good, like profound quotes. Like, um, I'm not gonna be able to think of any off the top of my head now. But they're like when he's writing and like the way he the way he words things about rock and roll and like like mid level bands struggling to come to grips with their success. Blah blah blah. blah. I mean, that was just like a bullshit line. And actually, Lester Bangs gives him that one. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, there was like a lot of like clever wordplay with that kind of stuff throughout. Like all the things he's writing for his article. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when he sits down with Russell and he's like, do you have to be in love to write a love song? Like, do you have to um, basically asking him all these like deep, profound questions about his songwriting technique? And Russell Hammond was like, dude, what the hell? Yeah. (laughs) When did you become a professional? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite quotes, it's not really profound or anything, but like one of my favorite quotes is like all throughout the movie, they're calling him the enemy because journalists are the enemy according mm-hmm. to rock and roll stars so the enemy the enemy there was yelling and they kind of it kind of becomes a term of endearment but also to like keep them on their toes that like he is a journalist 
And then at the very end of the movie, when Russell shows up at his house, he walks into his bedroom and he goes, so this is where the enemy sleeps. (laughs) And I just love that line. Yep. I remember, um, and I still do with the rewatch I I just did for this, um, that Penny really sends Russell to go see William. Yeah. And not her. Um, Pro move. Total pro move. Um, he he shows up and Francis McDormand answers the door and he's he's like all confused. Zoe Deschanel shows up in the living room and he's like, "Where am I?" And then he starts to see all the family photos and sees William and realizes that oh, Penny sent me to William's house. Yeah, one thing with with that with the ending is like with with Francis McDormand's character in particular, which I don't. Do we ever learn her actual full name? I don't know. But uh, mom. Mom. Uh, is that I feel like there was like a lot of unresolved, like there were some mom issues where she was really overbearing and like it drove uh, Zoe Deschanel out of the house and she disappeared to become a, a stewardess mm-hmm. and then uh, came back somehow and like was forgiven. I don't like, I don't know the whole thing with the mom. Like, and then, but then when, after Zoe leaves, she just lets, she lets, um, William just go like uh, with the band like she's not entirely happy about it but like she goes from having she's like she treated her two kids very differently you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I think her name her name's Elaine it just Elaine. it just came to me it um the way I think of it is maybe she realizes her overbearingness drove one kid away and she was like maybe I, I gotta give this one a little more slack and hopefully he comes back to me after his little adventure with this band. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. I think maybe, maybe Francis McDormand was just so good that I was like, there's some like, there's a mom story here that we're not getting. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously her character is based on Cameron Crowe's actual mom. Like he right. was raised in a household that was strict like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Francis McDormand is so good. Like you said, like we kind of just wanted to see more. <laughs> yeah. And she obviously went through some growth throughout the movie. So like what happened? I wanted yeah. to see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, it, you might view this line as corny, but I love at the end where, um, William's sitting down with Russell in his room and he's like, let's like, let's do this again. And Russell, uh, William takes out his tape recorder and he's like, what do you love about rock and roll? And Russell's like, to begin with, everything. And I, and I, and I know that line's corny, but I just really love it. And then, <laughs> the, tan- honestly, and then Tangerine the, comes in and you're yeah. like, yes. Honestly, I think the most emotional part of the movie for me is when they leave the bus behind. And they go on the plane and then they have that shot like they're flying off on the plane and then there's the bus is all like lonely. It was their home. It was Doris. They even had a name for it. And and they and they all say it multiple times, like Doris is the heart and soul of the band, and like they argue against like getting a plane at first and I was like, Oh, that's kinda sad. Doris. That's what got you. <laughs> yeah. Sad bus. <laughs> but they go back to her and they name the next tour No More Planes. Yep. yep. That's true. Um I, I was thinking about you said earlier that it, it like made you wish there was a there were like concerts and things happening right now. What it made me wish was that there were no cell phones, because Dude, I, yes. I I just wish I just wonder what it seems like a totally different world. I mean, even though we were we were alive before cell phones, but we were kids like we didn't really yeah. have freedom ever without in a in a time without cell phones. Yep. Um. So we're we're aging ourselves. I don't know. Some people are going to think we're really young by saying that. Some people are going to think we're really old. But, um. Yeah, I feel like there was like a a freedom that people who grew up, you know, older older than us kind of had without cell phones. Totally. Um, and even now, and, and when I say freedom, I don't mean like as a kid, like freedom from your parents. I just mean like freedom in life, like just being someplace and not constantly being in contact with people and just being like, I'll figure out, like I'll just figure it out. I'll feel like I'll get home when I get home, or yeah, no find a no, payphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need to, like, I'll figure out directions. I don't, you can't just look it up on Google Maps and, like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of, like, feel like I missed out. Yeah, I get that. Being not 100% connected all the time. Right. Yeah. Especially with, you know, shows now. Like, tons of people have their phones out. They're recording. 
They're taking pictures. They're fucking doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. They're seeing everything through their screen. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I just remember thinking that multiple times throughout the movie, like, when he's checking in with his mom on a payphone or whatever, and he's like, I'm in Cleveland. She's like, what? Like, I'm, yeah. in, I'm, in, <laughs> I'm in Detroit, like, all over the place or wherever, whatever the city he's in. Yeah. Uh, or Greenville. And, uh, like, it must have been hard being a parent. <laughs> Dudes, yes. Like, yeah. I feel like parents now, you know everything that's going on with your kid. If you follow them on social, you, like, see what they're posting on their instagram stories and there are like these spy apps that parents put on their kids phones that are like insane gps trackers like you can see all the text messages you can see everything yeah and it's like i would never do that to my kid but like it's it's a big business yeah i have i have some time just before i have to think about that stuff so yeah same (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you have a favorite scene from this movie um yeah well i think the the bus the bus um (laughs) that's the classic like everybody's favorite but i also like when she first um when penny lane kind of first shows up Mm. and uh not when she first shows up but like the first time they go into that party and she comes into the room and she does that whole flight attendant routine and uh, and everybody's like so happy to see her and like you can kind of like i don't know it's like your first glimpse into like the the family kind of dynamic that they have the groupies in the band and like that touring like circus and um like it's a routine that they've all seen before but they all love to see it again and like it's like old friends getting back together like that was like i don't know that was just like a very uh like the what's the word i'm looking for the emotion or like the, the setting of that scene really like resonated yeah it's a great scene it reminds me of the scene at the end of the movie that kind of um, it's kind of like the opposite of that scene where Sapphire shows up and all the band-aids are pretty there's no other band-aids there and there's she comments on the three like seemingly new younger groupies or slash yeah. band-aids or whatever and <laughs> I was thinking of like at the end of Mean Girls when the new plastics show up <laughs> to school <laughs> exactly yeah and she's like these new girls She's talking to Russell, and she's like, these new girls, they don't use birth control, and they eat all the steak. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it reminded me a little bit of uh, in college when, uh, like, you, if we were ever partying at the house, which is, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, you'd have, like, uh, no, the group of guys that lived in the house, and then you'd have the girls that we were all friends with or, like, girlfriends or whatever that had been around for a few years, and you'd see, like, the freshman girls coming in, and they'd be like, ah. Oh, these freshmen. <laughs> you, mean, you mean me? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You were making those comments, but it wasn't just you. I, it was like, I, yeah. Any, the, but uh, yeah, they are these freshmen, they have no idea what they're getting into. Freshman yeah. guys too, but like, no, the freshman girls were like way more innocent. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, if I had to pick a favorite scene, you picked a really great one. Um, it's it's just a it's actually a shot there's no dialogue but it's after one of the shows and penny lane is there's like a bunch of flowers left on the stage and kate hudson is like picking one up and she's just kind of like dancing in this empty arena on the stage and Mm -hmm. the, the spotlight's just on her um it just captures the the magic that you feel after a show but then also that continues in like the afterglow of when the show's over really really beautiful shot yeah i like any moment of like team camaraderie i loved like when they that like that moment when they're partying or like when they run out on that show after he gets electrocuted and they run out and they smash the thing and the what they smash through the fence with their bus and everyone's like oh yeah like yeah. Uh, you know i just love when everybody's like when everybody's having a good time together you know what i mean i think it really shows how much we miss human interaction yeah <laughs> but like you know all the scenes where like people are together and like they're friends yeah. you know like the friends yeah, stuff. And they're happy yeah. <laughs> they're laughing they love yeah what is that like <laughs> man i miss that can't even remember it <laughs> so sad. yeah um awards and nominations i'm just looking at um oscars best supporting Act- actress noms for both kate hudson and francis mcdormand yeah, well deserved. Um, neither of them won, but they were nominated. Yeah. Um, best editing nomination and Cameron Crowe won for best original screenplay. 
That makes sense. There was like a lot. There was a lot of like memorable lines and like overall very like well told story, and uh, you deserve that for sure. Yeah, and for Ron Tomatoes, we got an eighty nine percent rating, which yeah, we're happy I with that. yeah, I think it's right on right on spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm glad we did this this movie. It um, I hadn't watched it in a few years, and it was really really nice to revisit it. Yeah, I I always knew that I liked this movie. I think now that now that I have like a fresh recollection of it, um, I had forgotten how much I liked this movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, it's it's good. It's classic. Really good one. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up Almost Famous. Um, if you like what you heard here today, please rate and subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Friends Like Films. And you can email us at friendslikefilms at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, our next our next episode, we're going to do one of my favorite movies. Um, it's from 1993, another older-ish one. Uh, well, I guess it depends who you are. might be very old for you if you're young. <laughs> um, but uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, uh, Emma Thompson, In the Name of the Father from 1993. Um, historical, I guess, movie i mean it's about something that really happened is what i'm trying to say it's uh based on a true story really intense really great movie great performances from multiple people in the cast and um i actually watched it in school for the first time oh no way yeah yeah one of the few times that like school introduced me to something that i ended up like really really loving it's it's definitely a top 10 movie for me was it like history class or english it was senior year they didn't force you to take an english class you could take like two like quote-unquote english electives Mm -hmm. so they had a bunch of like bullshit ones available and one of them was book and film or like or it was book and film or it was like film and it was basically all about yeah you read the book you watch the movie and like and like write a report and like this was like i think it was i think it was that class and uh yeah we we read like uh some kind of history argument like court case thing about what happened what happened in real life and then we watched the movie that's awesome mm-hmm. well i will be watching it for the first time for this episode so i'm excited yeah great movie and i think it's kind of like your style i think you'd like it awesome i'll hold you to that no i have high expectations <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not. Uh, no, you know, it was nominated for all sorts of awards. It didn't really win many, but it was nominated, so I feel confident in saying it's a good movie. I believe you. I love. Uh, I know I'm not alone. <laughs> I lo- I love DDL. I love um, Emma Thompson. You said. Yeah. Yeah, both legends. I'm excited. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.